moi, je crois que, que Mussolini, c'était un, un bon politicien. C'est-à-dire que, que tout ce qu'il a fait, il a fait pour l'Italie. Et on ne le trouve pas, ça, dans les pollutions qu'on a eues dans les dernières 50 ans. That's Georgia Maloney. She stands a good chance of becoming the next Prime Minister of Italy. Maloney was 19 and speaking to French TV when she praised Italian dictator and Hitler ally Mussolini. Back then, she was dressed all in black and flanked by burly men. 26 years later, things look very different. Maloney favors bright white pantsuits and presses the flesh with European dignitaries. The normalization of the neo-fascist far right in Italy seems complete. So how did this happen? Part of the answer lies with an international political party, more of a movement really, the so-called European Conservatives and Reformists, or ECR. Maloney is the ECR's president, and it has significant representation in the European Parliament, around 60 MEPs, and it has branding that's disarmingly centrist. Conservatism, reform, democracy. In fact, the ECR is led by representatives of ultra-conservative and radical parties from Poland and Spain, and by Maloney's own party, the Fratelli d'Italia, or Brothers of Italy. Other key allies in the ECR network include Trumpist U.S. Republicans. So should Maloney still be considered neo-fascist? She insists she's a patriotic conservative. And indeed, if she's prime minister, she's expected to respect Italy's democracy, if only to keep money flowing from the EU. She's also vowed to keep up support for Ukraine and NATO. Yet Maloney has shown scant, if any, remorse for her past. She congratulated Vladimir Putin for his unequivocal election victory in 2018. And only last year, she was lauding Russia's defensive European values. And so, questions remain about how much Maloney has really moderated. Valerio Alfonso Bruno is a senior fellow at the UK-based Center for Analysis of the Radical Right, and he's writing a book on the Brothers of Italy. Valerio says there could be troubling times ahead, and not just for Italy. Maloney and her allies still want to lead a Europe that deprives LGBT plus people of civil rights, that tells women what they can and cannot do with their bodies, and that falls into line with racist conspiracy theories like the Great Replacement. With Maloney, it's not like we haven't been warned. No migrants more in. No Europe without Christianity. An alliance also with Russia. EU Scream, in association with EU Observer, Episode 79. How Europe Helped Normalize Georgia Maloney. Great timing, Valerio. You're writing a book on Georgia Maloney's party, The Brothers of Italy. They look set to get the most votes in Italy's elections. So, yes, I would say great timing. And I would say not only at the international level, but also at the Italian level, we don't have that much analysis from an academic perspective on the party. On uh, Brothers of Italy, we still lack scientific and academic material. Now, the Brothers of Italy are not unlike Trumpists and MAGAs. 
The brothers reliably hammer on migrants, Islam, civil rights for LGBT people, and they fan paranoia by blaming global elites and financiers. But that's no coincidence. There's an ultra-conservative international, and Georgia Maloney is a fully paid-up member. Yes, she's. I completely agree that um, from an international point of view, there is this important trend which is the mainstreaming of the radical right or of the, the far right. And, uh, we have seen that in the U.S. Uh, with the influence of Trump over his party. We have seen this uh, throughout Europe, in France, in Spain, uh, in, uh, in Central and, and Eastern Europe. The rhetoric and uh, I would say the populist schemata are, are very similar also, Fratelli d'Italia is a very uh, personalistic party, which is heavily based on the personality of the, the leadership of Meloni. Yeah, and she has appeal that's traveled well beyond Italy. Here, she's at the main American alt-right gathering, CPAC, in Florida in February. Please welcome brother of Italy leader, Giorgia Meloni. <laughs> Dear friends of CPAC, Dear American conservatives, um, I was supposed... And it's at these sorts of events that she really drives home how she leads the conservatives and reformists, this ECR party. It's a job she got just two years ago, but it seems like she's glommed onto it as a key part of her political identity. Today I address you as a president of the European Conservatives Party, a party that brings together... 44 patriotic and conservative parties in Europe and the rest of the world, including the American Republican Party. Yes, she's very, very proud to be president of, uh, of this party, European Conservative and, and Reformist Party. She never lost uh, um, occasion also in, uh, in her autobiography to uh, highlight the fact that she's the, the, the first Italian woman to be a, a president of a um, European political party. And also, I think this gives uh, her double benefit because abroad, at the European level, this is very prestigious. But also at the national level, it's a bit like she can um, sell everybody this narrative that, look, I am part of this group, which is named, after all, party of the European reformists and conservatives. So why you should speak of, uh, of far right, why you should speak of neo-fascism, why you should speak of fascism when I'm fully-fledged uh, conservative? Yes, and also that conservative branding has given her a major selling point that distinguishes her from Matteo Salvini, Salvini being the other far-right leader in Italy who she's overtaken in popularity. Yes, this is very, very important. Salvini, like Meloni, far-right, radical-right populist party, but the way he will self-define and uh, his party is not conservative, he will say sovranista, which sovranista, you have to pay attention because it's slightly different to the way uh, sovereignist is used in the original French or at the level of the European debate. Basically, sovranista in Italy is far right, even extreme right. And to some extent, I will also concede 
that a number of policies of political programs in her uh, political manifesto for the election, part conservatism in this direction, then you have also a lot of uh, political programs more blurred and most of the time the way she used conservative is different from the way we understand conservatives. So more like, uh, I would say, radical right or far right kind of policies. And this is part also of uh, keeping this ambiguity about the kind of identity her party has. And what about the European conservatives and reformists themselves, the ECR? I mean, there's some talk of how this eclectic group of hard right and neo-fascist parties could someday become even bigger than the traditional center right in Europe. Uh, yes, and for sure they've known so far that uh, Meloni had really all the skills to become uh, Italy's prime minister. Uh, I mean, you didn't have to be uh, that uh, excellent analyst to, to perceive that. And so this would be a, really an asset for the party to have somebody like uh, Meloni and Fratelli d'Italia inside the party. And also, I would say here, Meloni, since the Russian war in Ukraine, Meloni is always, even surprising, I would say, being clearly on the pro-NATO side. On the other side, you have uh, Matteo Salvini, always ambiguous, always like, uh, shall I go to Moscow to discuss with Vladimir Putin or not? Even Berlusconi, I would say, he has been ambiguous, like, uh, perhaps Russia is not so wrong, Putin didn't want to cause a war, uh, he was forced to that, I'm an all-time friend of Putin, you know, this uh, verbosity of, of Silvio Berlusconi. Yeah, how could we forget? In any case, what you're saying is that Maloney has better anti-Russia credentials than Berlusconi and for sure Salvini, whose Lega has been in partnership with Putin's United Russia Party. But Maloney's Atlanticism, is it genuine? Is it really real? Can she be trusted to hold firm on sanctions against Russia, even when the price of energy skyrockets this winter? This is a, a very good question, and there is something that I learned studying Italian uh, politics that is very unpredictable. So far, uh, I have to say, I was not surprised at all by Salvini's positioning. I was not surprised at all by Silvio Berlusconi's positioning vis-à-vis the Russian war in Ukraine. I was surprised a bit by the positioning of the um, Brothers of Italy. This, again, um, I have to be honest, came a little bit unexpected. So I cannot say that in the future she will always keep this uh, positioning. Because in her book, sometimes she mentioned uh, the role of Putin um, this strong man, the fascination, but she does that not at the level of Salvini, for instance. But there are also people in her immediate entourage that raise questions too, and they include Carlo Fidanza. He's a member of the European Parliament for the Brothers of Italy, and he's been caught up in allegations involving Russian influence. Excellent uh, question, Fidanza, was uh, the, the focus of an investigation uh, undercover investigation by an Italian um, online journal a fan page a little bit less than one year ago. There were uh, cases of corruption, influence from abroad uh, to try to, um, to 
to have a say on Italian uh, local election, especially I mean, when I talk abroad, I talk, uh, I'm talking about Russia. Uh, moreover, there were videos showing that uh, in small groups, uh, Fidenza was making uh, anti-Semitic jokes. He was uh, showing the Roman salute. Right, the Roman salute. And evidence of Fidanza himself was making this fascist gesture, you know, right arm is fully extended, facing out front, palm down, fingers touching. Yes, and in his entourage, there were people uh, really belonging not to the radical right, but to the extreme right. And for a while, he was like under fire from the Italian press. And he was forced to, to resign from uh, Fratelli d'Italia, also because Giorgia Meloni said that there was no space uh, in Brothers of Italy for this kind of nostalgia. For um, She doesn't like to, to mention too much the, the word uh, fascism. So he said, uh, no, no, no place left for this kind of behavior. Yet, uh, Fidanza is still seen uh, in many occasions uh, with Giorgio Meloni and, and the entourage. Yeah, and there's also little sign in Europe that he's been mothballed. Uh, Fidanza, this MEP from Maloney's party, he got speaking time at the most recent plenary meeting of the European Parliament in Strasbourg, where he was defending the Catholic Church in Latin America. Commissario, colleagues. Sta concentrando la sua repressione sulla Chiesa Cattolica, ultima realtà indipendente rimasta, considerata ostile per aver criticato il regime. I know, and also from the book written by Giorgia Meloni, they are close friends. Many politicians from uh, Fratelli Italia, they come from, um, how to say, a long uh, acquaintance and um, I would say also friendship with, uh, with Giorgia Meloni. So, long time. Uh, friendship, or at least, you know, acquaintance. Valerio, let's take a step back. What kind of young neo-fascist was Giorgia Maloney? Was there street violence, for instance? There had always been a more uh, radical and violent component. But to my knowledge, uh, Maloney was never really involved in this kind of action. She was more like the intelligence, I would say, even very young, she was the organizer of the youth wing movement to, to form and create and establish uh, networks or like uh, going in the streets at night uh, and uh, use the darkness to, to put on the walls political statements of the youth wing organization. Okay, so she's putting up posters at night for the youth wing of the neo-fascist party. Was she doing that covertly because... Neo-fascist postering, putting up neo-fascist posters, was not allowed or something? That was done at night, not too much for legal uh, aspects, but more for the possibility of having fights with especially radical left movements. Okay, and let's clarify the fascist underpinnings of Maloney's present-day party, the Brothers of Italy. Those... Underpinnings lead back directly to the end of the Second World War. Yes, the past of uh, not only of Meloni, but also of uh, Brothers of Italy is the heir of uh, Alleanza Nazionale, which for a, a little bit more than a, a decade took the heritage of the, the no-fascist party uh, movement par excellence in Italy. 
that is the MSI, Movimento Sociale Italiano. Uh, this movement was born in the aftermath of the Second World War, 1946, founded by uh, Giorgio Almirante. With the creation of Alanza Nazionale in 1995, this should have been... Uh, the bridge, I would say the passage from uh, a neo-fascist party to a completely post-fascist party, accepting the Italian constitution, accepting Italy to be a um, liberal democracy. And I think to a some extent, Alianza Nazionale, under the, the, the leadership of Gianfranco Fini for a while, went to this path of really being a post-fascist party. With Meloni, I think this is a step back And here it's also important to talk about the symbol of her party, the tricolor flame, or the fiamma. A single flame in the three colors of the Italian flag, green, white, and red, on a thin plinth with the name Fratelli d'Italia above. For a while it disappeared from the the logo of Fratelli d'Italia, then it reappeared again. And if you are a party that wants to be regarded and perceived as a post-fascist, if you want completely to interrupt the ties with your uh, historic and ideological past. I mean, why you will keep the Fiamma Tricolore, the Tricolor Flame within your logo? So again, we should not only focus on the relevance of uh, symbols, but yet it's not easy to understand, again, why a a party that wants to be uh, regarded and perceived uh, as having closed all the ties with uh, fascism and neo-fascism, should have a, a tricolor flame, widely known uh, as a, a neo-fascist symbol. I mean, why this should stay in your logo? You know, I'm listening to all this and thinking, hang on, how legal is it to be so openly a fan of Mussolini in Italy? You know, how legal is it to be a neo-fascist there? It should not be possible to do a reference to, to fascism. In Italy, this is called uh, precisely Apologia di Fascismo. Is, uh, on the paper, is strictly forbidden. But yet, I would say courts have been uh, implementing uh, these rules in a very, I would say, soft way. There are many movements in Italy that make open reference to uh, fascismo, or Mussolini, but they have like kind of disclaimers like uh, this party, uh, we are not, practically speaking, uh, bring back to life uh, the historical uh, partito fascista. And and also later on, there have been some laws added to the the legal framework, preventing uh, any open reference to fascismo. As I said, uh, apologia di fascismo is completely Forbidden, but there are plenty of politicians uh, doing the Saluto Romano uh, in the stadiums. Uh, many supporters, they expose fascist or Nazi uh, symbols. So, unfortunately, there is this, I would say, tolerance, but I think tolerance is not the, the right way to, to express this, like being too soft, too lax. In an effort to sanitize herself, has Maloney renounced her past beliefs or behavior? Has she fessed up to teenage waywardness and naivete? As you said, when Maloney was a teenager, uh, around 15 years old, 
She was already part of the Movimento Sociale Italiano, particularly the youth wing of the uh, MSA. And in her uh, autobiography, she speaks about the political fights that she had, uh, the struggle that she had when, when she was young, uh, the political struggle also. And there is never, never, never a moment, a passage, uh, a chapter in, in the book uh, where you will say she had regrets about her past. The only moment when she uh, has some regrets I think is when uh, she's like uh, writing between the lines that she didn't really like the, the turn that Alianza Nazionale got in the, the last years with uh, Gianfranco Fini, uh, making concessions and making uh, compromises with globalization, with some uh, elites. So these are the regrets, but uh, I mean about her political adolescence, no regrets at all. And she's still been using some of the most radical right talking points and dog whistles imaginable. Listen carefully, and it's not as if this leopard really seems to have changed its spots, right? You know, a few weeks ago, I've seen on Twitter a video, I think a video from two or three years ago, when she clearly was stating that in Italy there was a disegno di sostituzione etnica, Literally a plan, a scheme for ethnic substitution. And that's a barely disguised kind of code for the idea that there's a plot to replace white people by those with darker skins and non-Christian beliefs. Yes, really related to the great replacement theory, which is widely known a huge conspiracy theory, racist theory in the far right, extreme right fields. But she said, uh, in the last three years, uh, the Italian uh, government allowed uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of Italians to, to leave the, the country to expatriate, and it imported uh, asylum seekers. So she said, this is a real sostitutione etnica. Sì, penso che ci sia un disegno di sostitutione etnica in Italia which is, I mean, very, very strong to say disegno di sostituzione etnica, but uh, again, I would say no big controversy. Uh, after a while, everything was, uh, was fixed, was settled, and uh, nobody really cares about that. So to give you, again, the, the level, to, to, to which level, to which extent the, the process of normalization of the, the radical right uh, has gone. And there's what she said recently in Spain, in Spanish. She's got a talent for languages, Georgia Maloney. Anyway, this was at a rally with another ECR member, the far-right Vox Party, and it gets loud and it gets strident. Maloney is anti-LGBT, anti-Islam, anti-elites, anti-EU officialdom. And of course, the survival of civilization, Western civilization, is at stake. No a los lobby LGBT, sí a la identidad sexual, no a la ideología de género, sí a la cultura de la vida, no al abismo de la muerte, sí a la universalidad de la cruz, no a la violencia islamista, sí a fronteras seguras, no a la inmigración masiva, sí al trabajo de nuestros ciudadanos, no a las grandes finanzas internacionales, Sí a la soberanía de los pueblos, no a los burócratas de Bruselas. 
y sí a nuestra civilización y no a quienes quieren destruirlo. ¡Viva Macarena Olona, presidente! The striking thing for me here is the slow build and the rhythmic delivery, which is designed to play on the audience's emotions. And it does leave them cheering and on their feet. Maloney's style would not be out of place at a rally during the darkest periods of the past century. And yet, Maloney still seems able to convey a sober image to the media, even a lot of the international media. Most of the time, Maloney has kept, and I mean also the, the party, a low profile on these uh, topics. Of course, we know the, the preferences of a party like Fratelli Italia trying to criminalize immigrants, trying also to not support at all the LGBT plus community. Uh, but as I said, again, she often has a, a, a low profile, keeps some ambiguity. Um, so I've been surprised sometimes during the, the, the last weeks uh, when she more openly, especially on social media, started talking about these topics in a very broad uh, way. For instance, I remember a tweet where she said that uh, especially young Italians, they need sport and physical activity to fight uh, and get rid against deviants. Now, um, to talk like that, I mean, it was very controversial in Italy because everybody started asking what deviants means according to Meloni. Because Deviants sounded really like rhetoric from the, the fascist time. And yet, there's no sustained public outcry at these fascistic references. Any storms seem to blow over. Media, of course, acknowledge her neo-fascist roots, but they often seem more focused on her skills as a politician and leader. Why is there such complacency? I think part is uh, due to normalization of the far right, the extreme right which is a, um, a regional, but I would say global uh, phenomenon. The other reason, it's, I would say, the heritage of Silvio Berlusconi, his leadership uh, and the role of his party, Forza Italia, since 1994. We know that the party was completely built around Berlusconi's uh, personality. That was a cult of, of personality in Italy. Everybody was uh, either pro-Berlusconi or against Berlusconi. And under Berlusconi, this label of Coalizione Centrodestra... Centrodestra, center-right coalition. Uh, yes, and this label became uh, used uh, widely uh, and accepted. Uh, then uh, the relevance of Berlusconi and his party started fading around 10 years ago. But yet the brand of Centrodestra stays even if uh, internally... The power has completely shifted. So I would say this is the political heritage of Berlusconi, Forza Italia. He's still there. He's not so relevant in terms of, I mean, quantitative point of view. But because of Berlusconi being there, Meloni and the other parties can use still this label of center-right coalition. How likely do you think it is that Meloni, if she becomes prime minister will flout EU rules like Viktor Orban and the Poles. Orban and the Poles, they have been dismantling democratic checks and balances in their countries, politicizing their courts and the media, 
and doing things like creating anti-LGBT zones. Now, that's the kind of behavior that's led the EU to go slow on distributing COVID recovery funds, for instance, funds that Italy really needs. I don't think that Giorgia Meloni will try to pick an open fight against the European institutions like uh, Orban Hungary or Poland because she knows the situation in Italy is complex from an economic and financial point of view. Our uh, public debt is, is very heavy and we are still in the situation of a COVID-19 pandemic uh, going on. Of course, there is this problem of the energy crisis, uh, emergency, inflation doesn't look in the, in the close future to go back to um, normal level. And energy crisis like this one with the, the winter, which is very close, it will be common sense to be associated with the agenda of Mario Draghi which is, uh, I think, differently from the approach of, of Berlusconi or Salvini. And what about Italian democracy? Is that safe? I don't think that also at the national level, Giorgia Meloni will try to fight against uh, Italian checks and balance institutions, let's say. Of course, um, I guess Meloni is more keen on a strategy which is to, from within to build something important. I mean, not only at the Italian level, but also at the um, EU level. Yeah, and I mean, she's told us she'll do just that. She's made it absolutely clear that she wants to erode the EU's role. What does that look like? In her book, in her autobiography, published a little bit more than one year ago, she said that clearly that she likes Europe, but she wants a, an Europe of the nation. She doesn't want a federal Europe. Her idea is more like a confederation of strong, independent uh, national states that converge on um, conservative policies. But most of the time, uh, it's not easy to understand where the conservative policies end and where the radical right or far-right policies begin. Yeah, there's that danger that she could rot the EU apple from within. Uh, yes. So to change the face of an institution from, from within. She's very able on, on this. Uh, she's part of important networks. Also, the, the, the transatlantic relationship, I mean, with, uh, with Trump and other members of the far right and extreme right in the US are, are important. They are not always discussed by the press. And I think this strategy can pay a lot also in the, in the future, as I said, trying to, to change and to modify the EU architecture to the image of a European Union that she and other leaders in Europe prefer. Valerio, thanks for this. When is the book out and what might you call it? We are uh, with Professor Mara Morini already working on the book that should be out at the latest, I would say, in the spring. I think the, the title, not many people know, but Brothers of Italy was founded in uh, late 2012. So in a few months, to be precise, uh, in December, there will be 10 years of life of the party. So uh, I think something like uh, Brothers of Italy, the first decade. 
That's it for this episode. EU Scream's nonprofit journalism is supported by listener donations, partnerships, and by advertising. And we're grateful to the Laura Kinsella Foundation for an annual grant. For more details and for more EU Scream, visit euscream.com or click on podcast at euobserver.com. I'm James Cantor. Thanks for listening.